That was me pouring a glass of wine because I want to cheers Ultra Lux Linens, the podcast sponsor. Jacqueline, Emily, the team of seamstresses who have supported the frontline workers and have been amazing to work with. I think that we should recap why you might want to work with Ultra Lux Linens. To start, they work with people all across Canada and the U.S. They also carry over 75 brands of fabric. 75 brands, peeps. I'm not convinced I even know 15 brands of fabric, which tells me I clearly need to be digging deeper when I'm visiting the showroom. They also carry wall coverings, rugs, hardware, sheets, towels, furniture, and yes, of course, there's the workroom. So if you're looking for a one-stop shop, visit ultraluxlinens.com or find them on Instagram at ultraluxlinens. Please be sure to tell them that I sent you. So yeah, I'm going to drink to that. Maybe you should do. All right, guys, I'm here today with Haley Dale from your content empire. I felt like I said that weird. Hi, Haley. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm so excited to be here, Michelle. I'm so freaking excited. So I'm going to repeat what you said, but you were, you have a client who listens to the podcast. Which is yeah, Claire. She's in my mastermind this year and she is obsessed with the podcast and is constantly, uh, oh gosh, she's always coming with new ideas to our mastermind sessions um, pulled from this podcast. So it's super cool well, to be here. It's kind of surreal. Claire is my hi, new favorite. Hi Claire. <laughs> hi, Claire. And I'm totally going to tag her. So you're going to have to make sure I know what her Instagram is because I'm definitely, she's going to get a shout out and a tag on the gram. So thank you so much, Claire, because I assume that's obviously how Haley found me. And I think we're going to be talking about some awesome, awesome stuff today. So Haley, let's start by you telling us what is your backstory? How did we get here? All the things. Yeah. So I've been in business, your content empire about five years, five and a half years at this point. And I actually didn't start in content strategy first. I started in web design as kind of a reaction from my nine to five job and needing an outlet. And it's funny that we're talking about content, which is kind of meta now that I think (laughs) of it, but I hated writing about web design topics. Um, And so that should have been a huge wake up call a lot earlier than it was. It took me about six months to realize that it wasn't necessarily communications and content strategy that I needed an outlet from, but I just needed to do it in my own way. Uh, So I was able to make that pivot away from web design and there's been no looking back since. Oh my God, that's awesome. But okay, maybe I missed this. Did you, what was the wake up call? Like what, what specifically happened? Yeah. And I'm very sorry if you said it, I was writing a note. If I missed it, I'm very sorry. No, no, no. I totally did not. Okay, For yeah. me, yeah, no, I took, um, so what I did was I had 17 days off from my day job. Like, yeah, it would have been like five years ago now. Um, and I had 17 days off. I was planning it as like a workcation to do a ton of work in my business. And I was just so burnt out from like working my nine to five and then building my business in any spare time I could find that I spent like the first 13 days in bed watching Gilmore Girls the entire oh, seven seasons, yeah. <laughs> getting nothing done. And so it wasn't until I kind of came out of that like 
burnout coma that I had like four days left. And I came up with an idea for my monthly content planning kit, which has been the same freebie that I've had for five years. And it, uh, and everything after I made that decision, I like with the four days left, I created that freebie. I created like an email sequence to follow it, changed my entire website, made a, like created a package for content strategy and all that with like the last four days. So I was very grateful (laughs) that I didn't way only having watched Gilmore Girls. Um, yeah, so that was that was my wake-up call. It's not the most glamorous, but it's the truth. Hey, it's relatable and I like that. So <laughs> what 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 was it that like did you just think of okay actually I just had this idea of what the, the freebie could like what was the catalyst aside from obviously like Rory uh being Rory I guess but uh what what was the aha? I'm not even sure. I think of it as kind of like a lightning moment. I was just thinking of like, I really like I knew that content was such a sticking point with my own with my own business when I was trying to write about like brand colors and creating your website and all this stuff. And I found that I was like constantly coming back to content marketing. Um, I should back up here a little bit. Like I just had I had just gotten out of grad school and working in public service was my dream job. And but when I got it, I realized very quickly that it was actually horrible. Like I realized the realities of bureaucracy and that like. Yeah no ideas that I had would ever see the light of day because of staff reports and approval board approvals and like the black hole that was my boss's inbox. Yeah. So yeah. And I, what I love about this is something that I've been really thinking about lately, which is alignment. And, you know, a lot of us are, Oh, I should, I should blog or I should make video because video is King or I should this, but it's, it's rare that anybody starts to think about like, well, what do you actually like to talk about? Because you're mm-hmm. going to be more likely to be consistent if you're doing that. So I really, really like that. So for you, you just really kind of thought, okay, this content thing has been a thing for me. And I think that might be it. Yeah, exactly. I think I had season seven, we're rounding the corner and Rory's graduating. And yeah, I was trying to come up with an idea for a funnel for my web design package. And I came up with an idea for this content planner. And I have to tell you, Michelle, like once this one thing came into place, like not only that four days, but I ended up like having made no money for basically the first six months of my business. I think like about 10K in like way overworking in these web design packages to like creating my first course and a hundred K by the time I finished the year. And so it was like that one thing brought everything into alignment. I love it. And okay. So I guess in thinking about that, what, what advice can you give to somebody? Cause I don't know about you, but I have ideas all the time. Like they're, Mm -hmm. are they good or are they bad? What, what was it that made you know, like, I need to follow this? Or what advice can you give people who are coming up with ideas and they don't know if it's good or bad? And should they be going in super deep like you did? Yeah. So I think first off, build yourself up like for it. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> no. First, first off, like I think that if you are finding some resistance when it comes to your content, really take a step back. Like a lot of people come to me when they are in what they call like a content rut, right? Where they cannot drag themselves to create content or they're doing it consistently, but they've totally lost the love for it. And so one of the first things that we do is really do a deep dive. Like first off, if they're in burnout, I tell them to 
like let's talk in like a week or so like you just need a break you need to just yeah. create space around this Don't and not so much guilt girls. yeah exactly exactly. <laughs> exactly um but after we're done that like let's really get to the bottom of what is out of alignment are you working with the wrong people are you in the wrong industry are you just like writing topics that you think other people think you should be writing about are you trying to do content in a how like in a way that just doesn't work for you so that's kind of our first step is to like get our like magnifying glass out and figure out what is going on and where that friction is coming from. Love that so much. I got to say in the last two weeks, this topic of alignment has been very big and it's come up, it's come at me a few times now. And the fact that we're talking about this again today, because I talked to somebody earlier this week Mm -hmm. And we talked about alignment and I did a three-day course last week and there was so much talk of alignment and I really feel like the universe is telling me something right now, like really telling me something. And I think that this is such an important message for people. I just, I'm so excited to be talking to you. Um, Okay. So what, you know, people trying to understand, you know, is there any suggestions like, okay, yeah, you stop, you watch some Gilmore Girls or whatever your version of Gilmore Girls is. But, Mm -hmm. and do you, is there like a process that you suggest or is it just kind of whatever it takes for you? Yeah, generally like what I'll have people do, it depends on like if we're able, like just through talking, if we're able to figure out what that is. Because usually, I mean, you probably know this too, like we know what our biggest hang up is, even if we're not admitting it to ourselves. So generally through talking, we're able to uncover that thing or start designing some experiments around it to uncover it. But if you're completely unsure, what I actually recommend is a bit of like, I, um, my book is coming out soon and I base it around these things called play shops. And so one of the very first play shops we do is all about like uncovering your content disdain. Like what is happening there? Why are you in this content rut essentially? And so what I will have them do is I will have them pick a rat. like step one is like pick a topic that you're curious about. And then like, if they can't come up with something, go into a Facebook group, go into Reddit, go into Instagram, find a question to answer that's in your field of expertise. Then I have them just like free write for 10 to 15 minutes. Then I have them uh, like go back and review that and figure out where, like what piece of this didn't work for you or did it all work having taken the pressure off? So if it's like, if they feel a ton of like, if it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Usually we find that it's because they, you know, have been forcing themselves to create content with a lot of pressure and a lot of shoulds around there. If they can't find a topic they care about, Usually we find that they're doing things either people want them to do and they're not necessarily curious about it anymore, Mm -hmm. or like in a few rare cases, like they've completely fell out of love with their business and they're blaming content. Uh, So there's a few different, few different reasons that kind of come up. Um, But usually when they, when, when we come to that conclusion or when they come to that conclusion that they've just like completely fallen out of love with their business, like it's usually they're a few years in, they've lost the passion. They have their like one foot in another business. Um, There you, they, they know it already. Right. Okay. Maybe this is a stupid question. Just like, can you describe what you're, you mean when you say curiosity? Yeah, I think having questions is our biggest like shortcut 
to having more joy in our content. So finding questions that we're curious about answering. There are so many benefits to content like SEO and traffic and building your community and building your email list. I mean, as much as we want to believe that people are going to come back to our website and refresh on our about page 13, 14 times, that's not going to happen, right? We need to give people a reason to come back to our website. And when they do, the more chances. It's like having a great great location for foot traffic with a brick and mortar business. Having great content on your website is like creating that foot traffic for you, which means they're going to mosey on over to that sales page, mosey on over to your other content and to your work with me page. And you just have more chance to sell to them or get them on your email list. But beyond all those benefits, I think a huge part that we overlook with content is its role in developing our own expertise um, and keeping us sharp, right? There are always things that we can learn about our respective industries and using our content as a way to internalize that knowledge and turn it into something and translate it for our audiences, our communities, I think is like one of the things I love the most about content. And part of that is like making sure you're consuming content, but making sure you're digesting it too, and making sure that it's a nutrition, nutritious snack for your business. So you're actually turning that piece of content that you've maybe consumed, translating it through your lens and how you would apply it and break it down for your audience and using that as content for your business. So I think, yeah, that's what I mean by curiosity. Okay. So just so I'm absolutely crystal clear, when you say question that we're interested in answering, it, it, mm-hmm. in a, it, you're saying like a question I even have, like a question that I'm interested in learning more about and then translating that. Not necessarily, I already know the answers and I'm assuming it's the, the like web visitor potential leads question. Yeah, I think it could be a mix of both, right? And I think like if you're using it in this way, like say there is like new developments in your industry or staying, you know, on top of trends and stuff like that and turning it into into content to like bring like to bring it to your audience's attention, it can have a role there. Um, but I mean, I do think that we want to find that sweet spot between the questions our audience is asking and the questions that we're interested in answering to. So I think it's kind of a mix of both. Um, you know, it, de- it really depends on your specific industry and how much development and learning that you have, like how, how much work goes into staying on top of your craft. Right. Right. How much, how many new developments or new tools are coming out or, you know, new methods of doing things, um, you know, that you're wanting to tell your people about and also like that you're staying on top of. I love that so much. And it's kind of like almost like two birds, one stone, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is kind of nice too. Um, And is part of this in your mind that it's somewhat niche or is it like, what do you think? what do you suggest when people are thinking about content, like trying to come up with an overarching niche or are you kind of like, sometimes I'll talk about art, sometimes I'll talk about this or what are your thoughts on that kind of angle of things? Yeah. So my personal preference and the thing that I teach my, you know, audience to do with their content 
is to create it in themes um, and always make sure at the end of the day, you are a business owner using content for a purpose. And so as much as we can, like reverse engineer from your paid offers or your paid packages or your products, and then reverse engineer your content from there. And so I teach something called the content campaign method where we are choosing basically like one offer or one package or one product type that we're leading people towards this month. And you using that to come up with the sub themes for the week of like in coming up with those topics but making sure that everything ties back to that paid offer for that month. Okay. I like that. And it's, I feel like that's helpful too in actually being productive in, you know, there's purpose. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes, yeah. And I think too, like I talk to me, I, here's something that I feel like I notice. um, with some mm-hmm. interior designers is that, you know, interior design is, you know, for the most part, a luxury business. And, yeah. it, you know, we have to be careful in, you know, what are the services we're offering? And if we're trying to, if we're working with people who, you know, it's, you know, they, we need a budget of $50,000 and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Maybe the content shouldn't be super DIY. It's trying to, be careful. Exactly. And I feel like I see that a lot and people don't understand why your the email list isn't delivering what they need. So, you know, for something like an interior designer, obviously mm-hmm. you're working with Claire right now. Um, what do you suggest if, if somebody is trying to avoid the DIY types in their email list to focus on and, and to make the right choices as far as the content they put out? Yeah, I think where interior designers are incredibly lucky is that they have such a visual-based work and service that they provide. And so there are a ton of opportunities for not only showcasing your work, but also using it for teaching moments and breaking it apart into like one specific thing you did in the room. I know we do this with Claire quite a bit. Um, Like, let's talk about the artwork that you chose for this one, or let's talk about like the color palette that you put together. Um, And so you're able to like not, you're able to like turn one job into like multiple pieces of content rather than just a showcase. And so as much as we can use that as jumping off points for inspiration. Um, And then, you know, we mixed it obviously in with like, there are, um, you know, a bunch of what I call primary source blogs that she follows. And so using those as also like that, you know, learning and finding curiosity and translating that being the one to bring that to the attention of the people she wants to be working with. So we kind of like balance her strategy and a bunch of other like high-end service providers that I work with, um, especially in like such a visual based service. So we have that real blend of like highlighting your work and luckily it's super photogenic um, as well as like sharing information too but not yeah I think as much like if you are not I see this happen with web designers all the time Mm -hmm. where they are teaching people to do what they do and they get (laughs) people to pay them for and yeah so you need to rethink about it differently and really have the audience that you want to be reading and tracking to your website with this content front and center in your mind okay so not to put you on the spot but can we, are you, can you give us an example of like, even if it's a web designer, for example, mm-hmm. that is, you know, an example of well, you just gave us an example, like teaching them how to make their own website versus what content would be better in, mm-hmm. in something that would attract them to you and then potentially then buy from you. So maybe give us yeah. examples to really help us understand the difference. 
Yeah. So I think like going back to interior design, why not do that? So instead of teaching people, yeah, instead of teaching people how to like DIY their room or shop for their furniture or some specific thing that you have spent years learning how to do, you know, instead thinking, I always use this tip and like, think about what would you ideally want your clients to have in place before they come and work for you? And like, this is like thinking in addition to your showcases, right? So what maybe it's like, I want them to know their budget. I want them to have a vision for this room. I want them to know if they have a piece of heirloom furniture that they want to base this around, right? Like, what am I working Uh, with? So what are those decisions that you want them to have in place? And can you use your content or your free gifts, right? Your freebies um, in place to help them make these decisions that you can also use as tools in your process too. I am in love with that. That's so, so helpful. Okay, we're going to go back to the primary source blogs. Like maybe mm-hmm. my brain is, uh, you know, fried because COVID and it's not firing all cylinders. <laughs> but primary source blog, I assume it's like whatever blogs I'm reading to learn from myself. And mm-hmm. I then whatever I, I basically am turning that information that I've taken in and outputting it on my whatever content platform I want in through the lens of Michelle Bennett. Exactly. Right. So your audience might, well, your audience, but say an interior designer who doesn't also teach other interior designers, like they have a, like they probably have a bunch of magazines, a bunch of blogs and a bunch of things that they follow that they're like, target audience might not be interested in like signing up for a subscription to architectural digest. Right. Right. But they can like take that as jumping off points. And how can you translate that? Like be basically a knowledge translator in your pieces of content. That can be another great source for coming up with topics too. If there's like something that was covered there that you'd like to like feature an element of and share it with your audience where they're not needing to go and read through an entire book or or an entire blog all about, you know, interior design, but what is relevant to them. Mm, I like that a lot. And, and okay, I guess what, what would be like the right and wrong way to translate something like that so that we're not, you know, plagiarizing or, you know, do you, do you, do you say and reference the blog that inspired your, your post? And, and like, what does that look like as far as like the ethical way to do something like that? Yeah, I definitely think that you would cite it, right? I think that's okay. important to do. Um, I think in my own business, you know, I'm constantly looking at like, I'm caught, like I have a subscription to Harvard Business Review because it has some of the best studies that they cover and relevancy in marketing and business. And so I take that kind of primary research. Um, Maybe this is my academic background kind of shining through. And yes, I cite it, but that kind of bolsters as well. Or I go, you know, ones that like HubSpot found, for instance, that email marketing has one of the best ROIs for any type of marketing. Basically, on average, for every dollar you spend on email marketing, you'll earn on average $38, which, you know, so taking that, like, even like in my stance, like a stat that I'm kind of basing a piece of content around. So thinking how that would translate for your industry and for your clients, like taking that one piece of inspiration there, citing it, of course, but kind of like using that as kind of, it's kind of like when you find a great piece for a room, you base the rest 
rest of the room around mm-hmm. that perhaps. And so yeah. like same thing with your content, a great piece of content that maybe you found, you know, something that you found really interesting and how can you use that as a jumping off point for a piece you could share with your audience? Okay, got it. That makes sense. And <clears throat> so um, what, what different ways can people be thinking about delivering content and in order to figure out what's right for them like I know we know some of them but maybe Mm -hmm. of course like you you know there's things that you've done or some clients are doing because it's right for them you know what what are all the different avenues or I guess like tactics you could be doing to deliver content Yeah, there's a ton of different ways, right? Like I always think it starts first with that decision of like, what type of blog post am I going to be sending on a regular basis and then basing the rest of it around that for an interior designer, for, you know, other clients of mine who have been like boudoir photographers and those really highly visual industries is like, you know, you could be basing it off of like showcases and stuff like that as well. So not necessarily blogs, right? Although it could be that as well, but making sure it's structured in a way and designed in a way that it's going to highlight your work. And then once you make that decision, so, you know, so many people think that content and blogging is just written when really, as you know, like it's podcasts, Mm -hmm. it's videos, it can be any, like, that's where it comes also into a content rod. If you find yourself dragging your feet, part of it could be the way that you're forcing yourself to create content. And so if you hate writing, but you love showing up in video, or you love showing up on a podcast and talking with other people, that might be the form for you. So I think it, when you're coming up with your, like, how I'm going to share my content, it first comes to that decision and finding one that does this make sense for my business? Does this make sense for the work that I do? And how my, you know, the people I've like the leads that I want to be attracting, how they like to consume their content as well. So it really comes down. I mean, I think all the decisions in business come down to like really knowing the people you want to be working with really well as if you could like be in their head for them. Yeah, that's such a good point. Absolutely. And I think that for some of us, that's really hard to figure out, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm still trying to figure that out. But, um, so you, what was I going to ask you just now? Um, I just lost my train of thought, but how, what, like as a rule of thumb or best practice, we'll call it. And, and I'm sure it's like not a hard and fast rule. How many different, how, okay. How often should you be putting out content? How many different ways should like okay so if we think about Instagram as a as a way to drive content or you know YouTube and then blogging so like thinking about those types of things like Mm -hmm. for you what do you like to tell people is the best way to approach like how often and how many different avenues to be doing it through Yeah, I, you know, this is kind of a complicated question because first of all, the reason I mentioned blogging so much is because I don't want you building an audience for Instagram. I don't want you building an audience for Facebook or YouTube. Like our primary purpose is to like, yes, build that audience, but always bring them back to your website because as we know, the algorithm is constantly changing. And so it can be really frustrating when you see your engagement, like, like, yeah, deteriorate as essentially. Right. Um, so that can be super frustrating. So as much as you can get into the habit of like, what can I do to own my own audience? Right. And that's where our email list and our website traffic that we can retarget, making sure you have your pixel, your Facebook ads pixel, even if you don't use it, because it's for Instagram as well on your website. So you start capturing and building up that audience. Um, but to go back to like how often, um, I think it's, 
you know, if we're talking about that core piece of content, like the blog, I would say weekly or biweekly. Some people like to go much more frequently than that, but I have this rule of like one-to-one. So as much time as you spend creating a blog post, you should spend that amount of time promoting it as well, using those channels like Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and those sorts of things. So making sure you have a ratio of one-to-one, really it should be more, but I find that this is a really easy place to start with. So many people, they want to blog daily or like multiple times a week, but the truth is they don't have time to like, also promote it one-to-one. So that's like decision number one, make sure you're not just building for those social media platforms. Make sure you're maintaining the ratio of promoting your content as much as you're spending creating it. And then when it comes to using how many platforms you should be on for social media, I like to tell my, like it depends on your aptitude and your availability and how much space you have to be spending on content marketing. I have some clients that can handle like two to three really well where they're showing up actively and they have systems in place. But more often than not, a great place to start is choose one platform where you want to be super engaged and you want to show up and you want to learn more about it and you want to like put in the time to actually use it and go and engage with people. And then after you really get the hang of that, you know, you can make a decision to start to delegate it, automate it, or just have systems around it where you can add on one more. So it's, I think that's a really personal question, depending on Mm -hmm. how much availability you have for your marketing. Right. That makes sense. And for, um, so your, our emails, let's, let's talk about our email marketing because I need to be Mm -hmm. that up a little bit. Um, what, how do you kind of balance the content that's going to your email list? Is it like a, for every, you know, I'm thinking maybe every five is like a, I'm educating or inspiring. And then on the fifth, I guess it's like the Gary V. I'm thinking like whatever, mm-hmm. hook, hook, punch. Jab, jab, hook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like what's your philosophy on on what the content should be, ver- like giving mm-hmm. information versus asking for a sale type thing? Yeah. So, you know, I've seen a few different strategies work. So I do those content, um, content campaigns. And so for one month we are like putting out value content and then we follow that up with some sales emails and not just one sales email. You also want a reminder of it as well. Right. Cause mm-hmm. people, you know, experiment with different times of day. So usually I'm about like every four and then I'll send like two, like in a 48 hour period to kind of remind people on, unless it's like a launch period, then it's a lot more. Um, versus like I've seen other people, especially in this type of industry, I'm thinking like photography specifically where this has really worked. So yes, you're sending out that value content, but even though it's a value email, having some like really making use of like the PS strategy and your footer for like reminding people that you have space in your calendar available, that Mm -hmm. you are, you know, to come and check out your work, come check out your portfolio, get them back over to your website. So you could do so basically every email could be a sales email if you're using that ps strategy and having a little message down there but definitely sell once in a while do you find that like people either i don't so many people are worried about overselling but i really don't see that in a lot of the industries that i work with if anything they shy away so much from it yeah they're like scared to send a sales email yeah and i am too and i think too I think when it comes to content in general, we Mm -hmm. assume that people are seeing every post we're putting out there or every email, but I think we have to remember that it's like, we're sick of ourselves, but nobody else even remembers that you posted that thing. So like, I'll repeat 
like rooms that I post mostly because like I only have so many rooms that I want to put in my portfolio and people don't like to repeat but I'll post things like I'll post like a feature and it'll say like from the archives you know like it's I'm trying to make it clear it's not new but people are like oh my god congratulations like it's like just happened but so I think Mm -hmm. it's important people remember that nobody you're sick of yourself but nobody else is no and people need to hear things so many different times right in order like I think it's something like effective frequency it used to be like it came up in in the 30s with movies where they advertisers found out you had to see something seven times before you were ready to buy it and now with all the interruptions I think that number is around 21 times of eat like you should be saying the same message over and over again in order for it to have right finally break through to your audience so you I don't think you can say things too many times or share a piece of content too many times okay I love it that's such great permission for people <laughs> to to repeat your content Okay, let's, okay, still talking about emails. Um, You said something before, which makes me want to do a little deeper on this. My email content, am I, Mm -hmm. am I, am I trying to create an email that gives all of my helpful information within the email and then say, oh, by the way, you can also, like you said, for example, go check out my portfolio. Mm -hmm. Or am I starting my content in my email and then saying to read more, click here, Mm -hmm. Generally, I think that it all, like, I think that the blog is at the heart of your content strategy. And so the email that you're sending out, you know, unless you're like promoting like a podcast episode like this that you did with someone else, right? Like you're sending people somewhere. Every email has at least one call to action, usually only one call to action. The only exception to that is if you're doing like that PS strategy and just having a standard message on the bottom, reminding people, inviting people to work with you. Um, But But yeah, driving that you want them. It's also like, you know, click training uh, people to click through your emails and get something good, right? Like Pavlov theory. (laughs) Right. You know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to sign up for your newsletter and then I'm going to start watching how you are delivering. I love doing that, like reverse engineering it. Yeah, I'm totally. And I'm following you on Instagram and I'm going to add you to like, I forget how you do this, but follow so that I see your post so I can see and learn from how you're doing it. Um, Okay, let's talk about let's talk about freebies then and getting yeah. onto our email list. Um, I'm really good at getting overcomplicated with my freebies and trying to be like perfect and and then what happens is I get this crazy awesome idea and it's maybe just too big, too brand, and then it just never happens. So like, mm-hmm. what are some tips to kind of? get people to a place where they're trying to get people on their email list by adding something on their website fairly quickly that isn't going to like take them hours and hours upon hours to to make this happen for themselves yeah I think like number one you want to focus on the transformation first so what is like what am I trying to accomplish with this freebie or what is somebody gonna get when they use it so I think like you want to decide 
what that transformation is first before you get so hung up in it's going to be a quiz, it's going to be a PDF, it's going to be a multi-dimensional planner, yeah. uh, whatever that is, right? Like, don't get so hung up in the form before you figure out what the transformation is going to be. Because oftentimes, like you go in knowing I want to do a quiz, and that's a huge amount of work. And it's not necessarily the right vehicle for that transformation that you want to, you know, create this freebie for. The second thing is always remember the purpose of your freebie. So purposes of your freebie is to attract a lead as well as to validate a lead. So this goes back to that like web design, like when you are teaching people to DIY and yet you're teaching, you know, you're teaching people to DIY and yet you're selling done for you web design packages. And so we want to make sure that by somebody signing up for your freebie, you'd be comfortable betting some good money that they'll also be interested in your offer. So making sure we're choosing a freebie that validates that lead as well as it attracts them. Um, And I think that also... The third consideration to repeat myself again, because you can't say things too many times, um, would be like, what do you want to do? Like, how can you use your freebie in particular to prepare an ideal client to work with you? Like what decisions, what information, like what do you want them to already have by the time they're engaging you? I just think this is so smart and going to be so helpful for people. Okay. Transformation, just so everybody's clear. I'm going to, I tell you, I think you mean by that. Yeah. It's kind of like the transformation of, of like a lead uh, signing up for a freebie is that mm-hmm. something has changed for them after they have downloaded it. So before the freebie, I didn't know my budget. My transformation is that I have determined my budget. Exactly. And I feel really confident that's the budget that could get the job done, right? I have confidence in that budget as well as knowing it, or, you know, I know what I have to save for, but thinking about like, I think a good way, like transformation, you're right. That's a bit vague. So like thinking of the goal of the freebie from both your perspective, which is to attract and validate the lead, the leads that you need for your offer that you're selling at the end of this. Um, But for them, what what is the goal for them? Yeah. What are they walking away with? Right. And I only, and I asked that too, cause like in our world, like transformation is like the before and after of a room potentially yeah. or, or whatever that might be. Um, I, I'm just like spinning. I'm, I'm so excited. I've got so many ideas kind of brewing. Um, one thing, okay. I will say what I did recently because mm-hmm. blogging for me, it ta- I, how long does it take you to write a blog? Oh gosh, it does not take me long anymore. And there's one secret reason why it's because of the power of free writing. Um, And so when I, I have a template that I, it's just a Google doc template and I have a few questions and then I set a timer. So first question is like, what's the working title of this post? Then I have two questions. What is the purpose for my reader? What is the purpose for me? And then I lied, there's four questions. The fourth question is a question of questions. What are the questions that this post has to answer in order to fulfill those purposes? So I spend about five minutes coming up with those questions for the post and coming up with like the purpose and the goal statements for the piece of content. And then I set a Pomodoro timer um, for up to 25 minutes. Usually Usually I only need like 15 to 20. And I just simply free write and answer those questions. And so it actually comes together very, very quickly. And I'm not stuck with like, you know, writer's block because, hey, I'm just free writing. It doesn't matter. I can go back and edit it as much as I want. So for me, it takes Mm. probably about 25 minutes. Then it goes to my editor, of course. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, I really like that because sometimes too, I just start writing and then mm-hmm. I'm so deep and I'm like a little obsessed. I like to call it pathological with my details and <laughs> go too far at times. But what I was going to say and why I asked you that is because sometimes it will take me three hours to write a post and then make the images and so on and so forth. So it's like, I feel a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction and fulfillment when it's done, but it's like the knowledge of like how elaborate it feels in my brain for all of that to happen kind of like stops me from ever doing it. But what I did do was I just, I decided I was going to do like an artist feature because I Ooh. love art. And, and so I just, twice a month now I have a four, I just send out a, I reach out to artists that I love and I say, Hey, do you want to be a spotlight artist spotlight uh-huh. like on my blog? And they have a questionnaire they fill out. And so like, I just copy and it's like, they've written my content for me. And I just add an intro, of course, but that's kind of helped me Mm -hmm. make sure that I have some blog content in every month. But I do know that like, I need to be, I need to be sprinkling that in, you know, on, on the off weeks with actual stuff. That's not just artist spotlight, but that, but that's really helped me be able to be more consistent with it. I think that's such a creative way to do it, right? Like not boxing yourself in to what content should be and finding your own way to do it. But yeah, why not have them write it themselves, right? Essentially through that questionnaire. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's it's just really, really works for me. And plus I'm just like, I get to connect with artists that I love and then they're mm-hmm. sharing it also on their platform, which is just a nice added benefit as well. And yeah, it's a win-win-win. Exactly. And then now I have like random artists who are DMing me, um, which is so crazy because I don't know that I do the best job of hashtag. Like I, I'm like, I don't even really know how they're finding me, but it's kind of like what you put into the universe somehow finds mm-hmm. a way of like finding you as well. But um, okay. So what, what other parts about content that we haven't touched on that you think is really important for people to think about? I think to take the pressure off, I think like it comes back to if you find yourself in a content rut or you're finding yourself like, I don't even know where to start is usually we are so bombarded with shoulds. And even listening to this interview, you might've heard like a few ideas that you're curious about, but don't take any of these as shoulds. Don't take any of these as dictations to what should be on your content calendar and in your content workflow. Unfortunately, there's no shortcut for it, but you have to like embrace experimentation. And if something doesn't work for you, can I tweak it or can I quit it entirely and try something new? Yeah, I really like it. Have you heard of um, Screw the 9 to 5? Oh, I love them. Yes. Yeah. So I used to be very like early in my business when I thought I was going to build an online business. I was part of that membership. And I remember Mm -hmm. Jill Stanton, who's like one of the like founders of that company. Mm -hmm. And it's really stuck with me was, you know, when something weighs heavy, let it go. So I really, I really try to like, I do, I find myself every now and then going like, oh no, like I was supposed to do this and I didn't do it. And it's like, when it's exactly what you said, when things are really hard and they're not coming easy to you, they're probably not in alignment. They're probably weighing mm-hmm. heavy. Maybe it's time to let it go and try something new. And I think the key, mm-hmm. when you find something that's in alignment and that lights you up, you're going to be more likely to do it consistently. I totally agree. Double down on that. I, I heard this quote and I wish I could remember who said it, but like white knuckles are red flags. Oh, yes. I love it. So good. I'm going to try to Google it and see if we can figure out. Um, <laughs> Give proper credit. Yes. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, because I also, for a period of time, I was doing, I had a Facebook group that was like more for like potential clients. And it was like Mm -hmm. a Facebook group where it was, I'm going to offer tips and advice. And at the time it made sense. But, you know, over time I realized like those are DIYers that are coming in here asking me for Mm -hmm. it. But it was so weird because the podcast, like this podcast, which is really just a passion project. I, I don't, like, I'm just... The podcast is for me to learn and it's a podcast because people are going to talk to me when you ask them to be on a podcast as opposed to like, Hey, I'd love to pick your brain. And then Mm -hmm. it just kind of turned into like this other thing. And then I have my Facebook group geared to designers, Mm -hmm. which I was excited to go in and share stuff in. But then this other Facebook group, which was like getting free tips to potential Mm -hmm. clients. Like it just, it, every week I just would, at the end of the week, I would think, Oh my God, I would feel guilt and I'd be like, I just, I'm not delivering. I'm not delivering. And it was just every day I would be like, I need to go in there and show my face and I need to answer these questions. Uh-huh. And I was getting resentful of these questions and like, you know, and then I just re- realized like, this is weighing heavy. This is not an alignment. Like I need to just shut it down. It's okay. You know, it didn't really drive any business anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, it was good for when it was, but I just, I let it go and I, and then the same thing holds true with like the podcast. It's like, as soon as this podcast starts to feel like it's weighing on mm-hmm. me or my Facebook group or my, this it's, I need to be very real with myself and let anything that's weighing heavy on me go. Because I love something that. Else that we can be focusing on that can energize mm-hmm. us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully without all seven seasons of Gilmore Girls needing to be consumed within 14 days. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, or maybe hopefully with, because great show. <laughs> Is it only seven seasons? Seven seasons and then that like Netflix, which we not, will not talk about. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I feel you watched it too. Oh, fun fact, by the way. So I live, where are you from? I'm from Victoria, BC, up in Canada. Yay! I'm Kenny. I'm in Toronto. So yay, fellow Kenny. Oh, amazing. I'm so mm-hmm. excited about that. Um, so I was, uh, it was the film festival, like this would be like seven years ago. I have no idea. Seven years ago, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. And I was at um, uh, the Drake Hotel, which it was mm-hmm. during the film festival week. And I was there with my work. I don't remember why we were there, but we were there. And it was, you know, this is where a lot of celebrities, you know, like basically Mm -hmm. me, like I was fully in my 30s. And one of my colleagues' daughters, who was definitely early 20s, her and I were just like waiting for celebrity sightings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We were just like, our job was like, I was hanging out with her scouring like looking for celebrities to spot and then uh in walks Rory Gilmore don't know her oh my gosh and she went and sat down and I was like I'm gonna go talk to her and like the my colleague's like daughter was like oh my god no 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 no." I'm like no I'm totally gonna do it and I fully went up to Rory Gilmore and I I, oh my god he was sitting in a chair I like crouched down like um like you know when you're like squat down next to her and I was Uh like I just, I just said, hi, I wanted to say I freaking love Gilmore Girls and da, da, da. And like, I did not ask her for a photo. I just went up to her and tried to talk to her like she was a normal human being. She was very sweet, but very shy. And then I was like, okay, well, thank you so much. I just wanted to say hi. And then, you know, I love your show, whatever. And then I walked away and I was like, oh, I'm fucking champ right now. I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> And she was really nice. And yeah, so that was like 
my little like I'm yeah <laughs> um, I would have loved it if you called her Rory <laughs> I probably did because I clearly don't know her name I have one last question yay <laughs> okay what's your hot take what's your thoughts and feelings on um when you're putting out content and you feel like people are not responding like mm. you know do you do you like do you take it as a sign that it's not the right content or is it about continuing to like be consistent? Like, you know, cause I'm mm-hmm. sure people just cause they're not responding doesn't mean they're not listening or reading. So I'm just curious on like, cause I feel too, what happens is people get mm-hmm. um, like, uh, like discouraged and nobody yeah. signed up for the thing that I sent. And I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It's like, you know, sometimes it's not about the content. It could be about like, there's other variables at play potentially, but I'm curious, like what your thoughts are on how to approach like crickets. Yeah. So I think it could be a few things, right? So it could be, it could just be a momentum issue. You're not getting in front of enough people. It could be an audience issue. This isn't such a like cut and dry answer, but it's, um, you know, it could be about people. So we have found, you know, with our, with our like clients who serve really high-end audiences and really like for in the B2B space, um, the example that I'm thinking about in particular, their audience, they're not engagers. So they're not going to be the people who are going to be leaving these detailed comments on your different posts because they don't have time to be doing that. So I think it's also about knowing your audience and if they're wallflowers. So not just like making sure you're like your data and the stuff you're tracking is telling the full picture. So are people consuming content? but not necessarily commenting on it. So I think that would be the first thing is to like be really clear about what your metrics of success are and making sure they give like a well-rounded picture. Um, And then the second thing is, you know, it could be a momentum thing. So, I mean, of course we don't want to keep, you know, doing the same thing. I mean, isn't that the, they say the definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So it could be a messaging thing. It could be an audience thing. It could be, I think the number one thing you can do if you find yourself in this position is just go and have some conversations with the people you want to be working with. They will give you so many clues about the things that they're actually wondering about, the questions that they're actually asking, the things that they're interested in, um, you know, and, you know, start a Google Doc, start a spreadsheet of the words that they actually say. Whenever we're writing sales funnels for our clients, um, we are, you know, a big part of that is like a market research where we are gathering all their testimonials. We're gathering all their like customer service questions, because I think if you like go through that process of gathering the copy and the content from your audience audience's mouth, like it writes 50 to 80% of your copy right there for you that you need for a sales page or for an opt-in page. And then you just have to fill it in and give it that kind of like polish and swirl um, of copywriting. But I think, yeah, go and talk to your people because you're going to quickly find out like, is it just that I'm posting it in the wrong spot? Am I talking about the wrong things? Or here's a big thing, especially for industries, you know, maybe interior designers or, you know, other industries where there's like such high, like, you know, so much, are you talking like your customers talk or are you using industry speak? So they mm-hmm. don't even know what you're talking about. Right. All right, Haley, why don't you tell everybody where they can follow you? And I'm going to sign up for your newsletter today so that I can see what you're doing and I can 
like you said, reverse engineer. But yeah, tell everybody where you go. And actually tell everybody a little more about your book and about what you offer and how you work with people. Yeah, so the book comes out in June, so which may may not be after or before um, you're listening to this. I can't believe we're middle of May. It's definitely after, so it's out. (laughs) So Your Content Rebellion, um, it is um, a book I've been working on for like five years and it's all about like busting out of the shoulds when it comes to your content strategy. It has some play shops in there, which are all an experimental approach to finding a content strategy and a workflow that really works for you. doesn't just get you results, but it's also like you've said it so many times, Michelle, something that you enjoy. So you're going to do it consistently in order to start seeing those results. Um, so it's called your content rebellion. And if you go to your content rebellion forward slash special, I have a special just for podcast listeners. If you grab a copy of the book, you can bring your receipt there. Uh, and I have a complimentary course that goes along with it. So you can check it out there. Um, and then just in general, I'm over at yourcontentempire.com or at yourcontentempire on all the social. Um, and I am, yeah, I just love talking with people about anything and everything content. All right, lady, we'll have an awesome weekend. You too. And I will uh, chat with you soon. And I'm looking forward to listening to the episode. Thank you so much, Haley. And thank you, Claire, for, I know you're the reason that I ended up talking to her. So that was amazing. She was a wealth of knowledge. And I feel like this couldn't have come at a better time. I'm also, I just can't, I talked about it in the episode, but I can't help but feel like the universe is really trying to drive this alignment thing home for me. I recently started working with Katie Gutierrez. I did a three-day super intensive course. Like, I was actually afraid to start the course because it was three days, 10 a.m. till 5 p.m. But I'm going to tell you what, these three days were, I didn't want them to end. (laughs) They were incredible. And I wrote down pretty much pages upon pages of nuggets. I kept calling them, they were ahas for me, gold nuggets, if you will. And one of the things that she said, I was, it's a very, the course that I did, the three days was a very kind of interactive. There was five other designers um, and it was a Zoom call. And it was very much about kind of her talking to us and explaining how, you know, certain things, you know, whatever, all the things that we talked about. But there was portions of like feeding in and talking about, you know, trying to really identify our differentiating factor, which I'm very excited to say that I think that I figured mine out, still working on it. And I will absolutely share it when I've nailed it down. But I I was talking to her and the group of designers about how, you know, early on, I was just, I couldn't, I didn't feel confident about this or that. And she said, well, let's just stop and take a step back for a minute. She said, Sometimes, now she's not saying that this was it for sure, but she said, sometimes it's not a confidence issue. It's a lack of alignment issue. And that was huge. And I think that's something I want to, I want to relay that message to you. I want you to think about whether or not you're, what you think you're struggling with confidence and maybe take a step back and think about whether it is an alignment issue for you. Maybe you are leading with what your strengths are when you're talking to clients. And as a result, you feel like you're not confident, but really it's just because you haven't built a business that's really in alignment with your strengths and who you are and your personality. So anyways, all of that to say that I am obsessed with this. 
I'm talking to Katie next Thursday. She's going to be on the podcast and you're going to see firsthand how amazingly incredible she is. I think that we, we were talking over email and I think that we just kind of connect as humans. I think we're like of similar, she called it hashtag twin spirits when I told her I was going to be gushing and that things were going to get awkward on the podcast. But, um, I want you to get excited and I will full disclosure. I am an affiliate of the program. And I said this on the last podcast, I would not promote. And I think that, you know, I, this is episode, what, what episode is this guys? Like I should know this information. When I say this is episode 84. Yeah. Episode 84. And I have not promoted other than Ultralux Linens and they're a sponsor because I love them. I love the products that they carry and I love her as a human because that's important to me, working with people who have integrity. And I I hope you know by now that I would never promote anybody that I didn't feel was aligned back to alignment with me and that I didn't think they would give you huge value. I think I talked about this on the last podcast that I have a very high bar for what I would find valuable. And I think it's because I do have a marketing background and I was in upper management on my last pro- my last job. And this, this provided me massive value and it helped me. It's really helping me figure out what makes me different and create processes and profitability in my business. That makes sense for me. It's so far, it's incredible. And I'm just so excited for what's to come. And so I can't wait to share with you that podcast. Uh, it's probably going to air not, well, it's going to air next week. So if you want to learn more about that, biographicaldesign.com. Uh, she's got an amazing blog full of great information. Go check out her actual website as well, arezdesign.com, I think it is. Uh, go find some, search for Arez Design or Biographical Design on Google, and you'll find some videos of them talking about this amazing system that they've created to help get to know their clients better. And she's leading, they are leading with their personality on their website and they're not afraid to be different. And it's really, really helped them build an incredible business. So if you decide that this is something that makes sense for you, please be sure to let her know that you found out about them through me because that does help support the podcast, which I'm super dedicated to bringing you each and every week. All right, with that, it's time to read a review. And I feel like, I can't even believe that. I feel like every time I go check, there's a new review and I wanna cry each time. It's too much, guys, it's too much. So I'm gonna read a new review posted on May 12th of this year. Okay, obviously of this year, anyways. Melissa Cross Interiors. What, what? I spent a good six, oh, sorry, five stars. Let's start with that. Five stars in valuable content. I spent a good six months trying to figure out when I should leave my job with a real estate developer. And I finally took the leap earlier this year. Congrats, Melissa. I 1000% could not have done it without this podcast. Okay, I'm reading it for the first time right now. From practical advice to encouragement, the authenticity. Oh my God, I can't read. The authenticity, this podcast has been invaluable to me, the confidence to launch my business. Michelle, thank you so, so much. And her Instagram handle is at Melissa Cross Interiors. 
Well, Melissa, thank you so much for saying that. I'm so excited for you and I hope you nothing but amazing success to come. And I need you to know how insanely, insanely heartwarming these reviews are to me. I have 75 reviews on, I think it's the US side of Apple and I have 42. So I have over a hundred reviews in total, if you add them up, even though it doesn't make any sense, because when you go on the podcast, if you go in the app, I find that it only, yeah, it's showing me 42. So I think that's the Canadian version. Anyways, thank you so much. So guys, I have started doing live Facebook, uh, we'll call them podcasts as well, in my Facebook group, Real Talk Design with Michelle Bennett. I'm going to be doing these just kind of on a set day where you can actually join and people can bounce in and out of the live and ask me questions and I can answer them and we can talk about various topics. And I'm going to try to do that at least for the next month or so on a set schedule. I haven't figured out what that is yet, but you need to be in the Facebook group in order to be able to ask those questions firsthand. So again, go to uh, Real Talk Design with Michelle Bennett. Be sure to answer the questions and you will be able to take advantage of that. What else do I need to say? I think that's all I got, guys. If you haven't left a review and you want me to read your review and shout out your Instagram handle, then please do so. I'm going to do that every single week. Uh, if you want to join the my email list, go to michellebennett.com slash realtalk. And obviously subscribe, tell a friend. That's all I got for you this week. Bye.